and then um, and uh, share a few thoughts about uh, what it means for us uh, on this uh, Christmas Eve. So Philippians 2, starting verse 3, hear the word of the Lord. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in, in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own, to his own interests, but uh, also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Well, uh, a few words on this passage, uh, which explains some of the meaning for us today of what Christmas means. Uh, this is a passage that was written to a community like ours, a church community. And, uh, and what the Apostle Paul thought was that Christmas was a pattern that then shaped the community that was built around Christmas. And you see there in, in verse 7 in this passage, uh, it, it says about Jesus that he was about being born in the likeness of men. And that's the reference there to, to Christmas, that, uh, that Jesus was born at, like one of us. He came as a child. He took on flesh, came, took on human nature. And so the question is, how is that story a pattern then for our lives? And I, I think by a pattern, I mean that you know, we're all like Plato and Christmas is like a mold that God is pressing us into a certain shape. And the shape that he's pressing us into is this story. And so today I'd like to just point out three uh, things from this passage about how Christmas shapes us. Christmas shapes how we think. Christmas shapes how we live. And Christmas shapes how we worship. I want to talk about each of these three things. So first, Christmas shapes how we think. And this passage I just read, that was one of his main purposes. You see there in verse 5 how Paul says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And so Paul says, you know, communities like ours can have certain ways of thinking. And, you know, communities are that way. Where communities, everyone in the community kind of thinks alike and they act alike and they respond to things and they react to things in the same way. And the way that communities shape the way that they think is largely through telling stories. You know, families are that way. Families have certain stories that they tell every year when they get together or friend groups have stories that they tell of things that happened in the friend group that were funny and they love to tell that story over and over. Or, you know, political groups have stories. Sports teams have stories. And I know for my family, uh, one of the, the stories that I heard growing up was about my grandfather who was a captain in World War I. And in, during the Battle of the Somme, which was one of the great battles uh, in, in World War I, he was in France on the Marne River, and the Germans were approaching on the, the other uh, 
side of the river. And so he was supposed to send a message back to the big guns to start shelling the, the approaching army. And they'd cut the communication lines. So he had to walk a mile back to deliver this message. Well, while he's walking back, a delayed shell landed next to him and blew off his whole side. And he was there in France, lying there in a ditch, dying. And he said he saw light. And uh, he was a particularly religious man, and the light just said, you need to keep going. And so he crawled half a mile to deliver the message. And they bring him into the infirmary, and there's thousands of wounded soldiers everywhere. And uh, the triage comes to him, and they put an ash cross on his forehead, which meant he's too far gone, there's no hope, we got to let him die. And so he's recorded as deceased. The commanding uh, doctor who came over to sign off said, Joe Walker... I know him. I went to school with him back in New York. Put him on the table. We're going to save him. And so he lives. And it's this miracle that he lives. And, then, and my dad wasn't even born yet. My dad wouldn't even exist. I wouldn't even exist about this story. And so over and over, we heard this story that, uh, that it was a miracle that our family even exists. And, and then all those years later, my dad didn't become a Christian until he was in his 60s. And when it came time to hear the gospel, he'd heard this story over and over. And he said, you know, I've always believed in God because of what happened on the battlefield all those years ago. And when it came to hear about Christ, the story had shaped how he viewed the world. It shaped how he viewed himself. And so that's why the story was told over and over again. And so Paul is saying, what story do we as a community say to one another over and over again that shapes how we think and view the world? Well, he tells us there in verse 6. This is the story. Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. It's a Christmas story. That's the story that we're supposed to tell. That's why we tell it every year. That's why we tell it all year long. That God did not just sit up in heaven and give us a bunch of rules or give us a philosophy about how to live. God came down and entered into human life and he shared in all the hardship of being a human in this world. And what uh, commentators say is this little passage that I just read to you is, was possibly uh, a hymn from the early church that the Apostle Paul is, is quoting. It's maybe the most ancient Christmas carol that we have is here in Philippians 2. And when you sing these stories, what they do is they get internalized to you into your life and then they begin to shape how you live. So that's the second thing that I want to say is that Christmas on the one hand is the story that shapes how we think, but Christmas also shapes how we live. And uh, the defining quality that Christmas gives to our lives is humility. You see that there in verse 3 that Paul says, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And St. Augustine uh, was once asked, what's the central principle of the Christian life? And he said, first, humility. Second, humility. Third, humility. That is the defining quality of the Christian life is, is humility. And the reason is because what's so amazing about our God is that our God would humble himself. The high king of heaven would come down and lower himself. And you see that in verse 8, how it says, And being found in, the, in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death, even death on the cross. So the whole movement of Jesus is downward. 
He's born into an impoverished family. Uh, you know, there's no place for him in the inn. You know this, the Christmas story. He was an outcast from, from the very start of his life and all the way till the, the supreme humiliation that he experienced on the cross. And what happens to us when we tell that story over and over again about the Lord whose the movement was downward over and over again? It, then our lives take on that same shape. And so Paul says in verse 3 that we count others more significant than ourselves, which is the opposite of the world. You know, our world is all about upward moving. Like, how are you advancing? How are you making more of a, a name for yourself? How are you advancing in your career? How are you making more of your resume? And, uh, and to be clear, to be humble, you know, it's not about that we're worthless or, you know, we should, you know, be like doormats that are walked upon. What humility is, is waiting for God to raise us up in his time. What humility does is it waits for God to raise us up in his time. We don't raise ourselves up. We wait for him to raise us up. And one of Jesus' famous sayings is that he who humbles himself will be exalted and he who exalts himself will be humbled. True humility in the Bible is always followed by a resurrection, by a raising up. And that's exactly the pattern of Jesus', Jesus life. Right after mentioning Jesus' humility, it says in verse 9, Therefore God has highly exalted him. And so Jesus is the fulfillment of he who humbles himself will be exalted. Which leads to our last thing of how Christmas shapes us. So it shapes how we think. It's the story that we tell as a community over and over again. It shapes how we live, a life that is defined by humility. But Christmas also shapes how we worship. And I think, you know, for any of us, Christmas evokes such a, a wonder and awe in us and a sense of, of beauty. You know, we think of Mary and the, and the shepherds and the angels and the manger. And they're the, the baby who made the world. And what is, how do you respond to a story like that? Well, throughout history, the way that people responded to the Christmas story is with worship. And even in the, in the beginning of the Gospels, you know, the story of the wise men who see the, the star and they come from the east. And what does it say about them? It says, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And what's amazing about this passage that I just read from Philippians is it's not just that we come and worship and we're like, wow, the, the Christmas story is so beautiful. And here's the child and the mother and the king has come down as a poor baby. But, um, but God himself feels that way about the Christmas story. You see in verse 9 how it says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. The whole story of Christmas delights God. He's looking from heaven and watching the whole scene. And then it says, you know, it's not just us who's worshiping. It's not just the Father who praises and exalts Jesus because he's so delighted that he would humble himself in this way. But then it goes on in verse 10 and says, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
this massive picture of all the creation of all, people in every uh, you know, nation and language and tongue bowing their knees and worshiping. And then the angels and the archangels in heaven, they're all watching this little baby and they're amazed at the humility of Christ. And then all the animals, everything that has a tongue, you know, the bears and the birds and the dogs and the lions and the rhinos, they're all bowing their knees and, and, and looking at the, the humility of God that he would come down and they are praising and worshiping him. This is the thing that unites heaven and earth. This is the thing that unites us as a community is joining in the song of worship and praise of the God who would come down among us and share in our life for our salvation because he loves us. So if there's one thing to shape and mold your life, let it be this, is the Christmas story. Let it shape your mind. Let it be the story that we tell over and over to each other. Let it shape your life that he who humbles himself will be exalted. But above all, I invite you this evening to join with all creation in heaven and earth and worship the Christ child, the one who humbled himself and the one that God has exalted. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you that you've gathered us here to worship Christ our Lord who came in human nature. He's, took on our human nature. And not only the, the frailty and the weakness and the suffering and the pain, but who even took our sin upon himself on the cross. And Lord, we with you exalt his name. And uh, we bow our knee. We confess with our tongues that he is Lord. And may uh, his worship and adoration be the center of our lives and community.